Hello, and welcome to the Green Leaves Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. Today's guest is someone that I met who's not in the nutrition field, and that's why I'm really excited to chat with her. Her name is Emily Hutchins, and she is the owner of On Your Mark Studios in Chicago, which is a personal training gym, also a Nike master trainer, and just really, really good at giving practical fitness advice. Quick story before I get into her bio and what we talked about in this episode. I actually met her, I think it was 2018, and then I went there, I went to Chicago in 2019 to run the marathon. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I met her at the beginning of 2019. But I went to Chicago in 2019 to run the marathon, and I actually went to her gym because we were both working with Uh, chocolate milk and we were doing something together there where we were filming some videos and the videos I was doing nutrition videos and she was doing fitness videos and then we were doing some together and they had us work at her gym which is a really really beautiful space she has I think three locations this was one of the locations and it was really really great because I was about to run the marathon I think two days later and just picking her brain, because I've never really worked with a personal trainer, but picking her brain on things like strength training. And then she started talking to me about mobility training, which is something that I really hadn't even talked about or heard about because I was telling her that I had some tightness and she was showing me mobility moves. And she was really giving me a sense of what an endurance athlete should actually do to train outside of their sport. And that's where the idea for this interview came from. So I asked Emily to come on and we talked a lot about mobility training, strength training, how often you should do that. If you're someone who is in endurance sports, what to do if you can't afford a personal trainer and how to even start with all of these things, how important rest and recovery is for athletes and what she does if athletes ask her about nutrition. I specifically threw in that question because I know a lot of trainers get asked about nutrition and I wanted to see how she handled it. So I really love this interview. It was very, very educational in terms of thinking outside of the box of your own sport and other things you should be doing to just build a healthy body for yourself. So let's dive into that, but I'm going to remind you before we do to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and DM me at Greenleets to ask any questions or give me feedback or let me know what you'd like to see on future episodes. Hi, Emily. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to hear from you. I know. It's so awesome to chat. It's been a crazy year. I'm I'm excited to talk about things that aren't necessarily nutrition with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, because that's not my area of expertise. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know a little bit about you and your career journey and how you ended up opening your studios. Okay. So, um, oh man. So my career journey in this industry began while I was in college. Um, I actually started out college as a theater major. I wanted to be an actress and do, you know, the silver screen, if you will. And that shortly shifted once I got into (laughs) school and realized, yeah, I don't think acting is really my thing. I've never really done it. Why start in college? I have no idea what I'm doing. So, um, my sophomore year of college, I decided to get a job. And my first job was working in a gym. And the gym was called Flex Fitness Center. And I loved it. And I was just the front 
desk staff, you know, I folded towels, cleaned the gym, did all that sort of stuff. And um, I remember there was this one woman there and she was always working with people on the gym floor and working them out. I was like, well, that's interesting. What is she doing? And then it came to this whole like, oh, she's a personal trainer and she's making a living by training people and, you know, putting them in a position to, I guess, live longer, be healthier, get stronger. And she herself was a bodybuilder. So I was very enamored by her physique and her training style in which I knew nothing about. Mm -hmm. So I just started asking her a bunch of questions about it. And she's like, yeah, you should, you know, you should, uh, get a license and do all this stuff. And I'm like, man, maybe I should change my major. So I did. And I changed my major to exercise science. And then it just kind of developed into this whole like, oh, wow, I get to give back to other people because I was inspired by coaches my whole life. And now I get to be one. Um, And I played sports for a little bit in college. And um, but eventually, I just kind of fell in love with this whole gym environment. And uh got my license originally my junior year of college. I didn't really train anybody because it was a very, it wasn't Chicago. It was a smaller town in Michigan. And I knew I was going to have to eventually jump ship, whether I went to Chicago or New York or LA or Detroit or whatever. I knew where I was, wasn't necessarily my calling. Um, So shortly after graduating college, I um, moved to Chicago on a total, you know, monster.com application and wow. took, a couple in- yeah, took a couple interviews in the city and um, yeah, fell in love with the idea of moving to the big city. And that's exactly what I did. And I started working at Crunch Fitness and um, it was a little challenging. It was not a, even a little, it was very challenging in the beginning. Here I am coming from a you know, graduating high school class of 56 kids to a small school in Holland, Michigan to a massive city, didn't know anybody, didn't know how to navigate myself around the city and just had to figure it out. Um, And the hours were extremely long. I was making no money. And I remember in the first, I don't know, three, four months of living in Chicago, having to call home and tell my mom I needed more financial help make rent and all that crap that you hear all the time, you know, and, Mm -hmm. but it was real and I was living it. And I was like, I don't know if I'm cut out for living here. And, and my mom is the reason why I'm still here because she's the one who told me to give it nine months. She's like, you got to try to give it at least nine months or even a full year if you can. And then once you get to that point, you're still not happy and you're still not making any money, then move back. And, uh, she was right. And so I gave it more time and sure enough, eventually I just started to figure it out. I started meeting people, um, and started, you know, actually making a little bit of money and I could pay my own rent. I'm like, okay, now I am starting to enjoy this a little bit more. Um, but I also kind of had to shift my perspective a little bit, you know, here I moved to the city worried about making money. I didn't necessarily have the mindset then that I do now about I'm doing this because I love training people. I'm doing this because I love changing lives and I'm doing this because, you know, this is what I am meant to do. 
where in the beginning, and it's easy to say it now, but in the beginning, I was so focused and scared and just trying to support myself where I was kind of missing the whole why behind what I, why I was doing it. And, um, so my perspective started to shift a little bit and then, um, next thing you know, it's three, four years later and, uh, it's 2007. I moved here in 03 and I had the opportunity to open on your mark with uh, a fellow trainer, friend of mine from crunch. And, um, yeah, we left in 07 and started on your mark and 14 years later, three locations here, here we are. And we're doing amazing things, especially in the COVID landscape that we're living in now. And, um, sadly my business partner is now moved on and she's actually an artist, but still great friends and um she still comes in and teaches from time to time but now I'm the only one running the show I have an amazing team and it's just kind of turned into this you know brand that uh has high level coaches and you know we're constantly trying to bring this major league experience to clients of all levels and um backgrounds as we feel that um it's important that everyone deserves to be treated like a LeBron James when they walk into the gym and the team does an amazing job of seeing that through. And I truly believe that because of the, we've always stuck to our roots in terms of what we believe in and how we train and um, we're not out there chasing everyone's coattail. And that's why 14 years later, we're, we're still, you know, trying to dominate in this industry, if you will. I love that story because you're, struggling and worrying about having to move back home and not having enough money. And then three years later, you're a business owner. What are you, you must've been like in your mid twenties, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, that's actually a really interesting point. I remember going home. Um, I was probably 25. (laughs) That was a while ago. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table with my dad and my dad, it's like, how's work going? I'm like, Oh, it's so much better now. You know, I moved here when I was 23 and here we are a couple years later, I'm sitting at the kitchen table with my dad. And I'm like, you know, dad, I think I want to open a gym before I turn 35. And he's like, cool, go for it. Never once was like, yeah, you know, you might want to, you know, never. My parents were always just like, cool, you could go. You should try whatever you want to try as long as you are a good human being. Um, and at 27, on your mark came to life. So I've always been a big believer ever since that, like putting things in the atmosphere. If you believe that you can make shit happen, well, then get out there and make shit happen. And, uh, so yeah, it it was a quick turnaround from 25 to 27, but you know, I'm grateful for having had the opportunity to do it. Cause I think one, in terms of being a 27 year old, you know, it forced me to mature quite a bit faster and, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's always been a good challenge to stay on top of, you know, your education. And I started learning at a, relatively young training age to do a good job. Yeah. And the few times I've been with you, I've learned so much from you just by like picking your brain and asking you questions. One of the, I mean, the last time I saw you, I was there for the Chicago marathon at the end of 2019. And I remember, I mean, you stress so much the importance for endurance athletes of strength training and mobility training. And I, that's some of the stuff I want to talk about. First off, when it comes to like mobility training, I think 
that is something I like hadn't heard much before. And I think it's confusing. Like I don't really still to this day fully understand what mobility training means. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So mobility is essentially strength through range of movement, right? So you have flexibility, which is basically how well do you bend? You know, how well do you stretch? How, how, how flexible are your muscles? But mobility is a completely different animal that speaks more to like joint space. How mobile are my hips? How mobile are my shoulders? How mobile is my upper back? Is that is it's more or less geared toward your joint space. How well do your joints move? And then everything that surrounds that being your muscles and tendons and ligaments and all the soft tissue of the body, that's more geared toward flexibility. Um, and I've always been over the years, my mindset, I should say, or my, my, um, flexibility versus mobility values have changed a little bit, especially as we, as adults start to age, we already, most of us already know, like, okay, I know when I'm 40, I'm going to be a lot less flexible than when I'm 20, but I don't necessarily agree that you should just always stretch you know, stretching doesn't necessarily help your mobility enough. There's certainly things that from a mobility standpoint that you should do that are different from stretching in order to take care of your joint space. But I think a common mistake, most endurance athletes and any athlete um, has a tendency to make is not really focus on well their hips move, but focusing too much on how, you know, flexible their hamstrings are when they're completely different things. And I think for endurance athletes, especially I being one of them, you know, everything we do is extremely linear, You're constantly running in a straight line and being a runner is not the most dynamic type of sport. So you see a lot of injuries in those endurance sports because especially in athletes who aren't educated about mobility, um, because they are so linear and you're constantly working in the same range of movement. And as a result of that, you start to see a lot of knee issues or you see labral tears or you see low back issues. Basically you see these issues at different joint spaces. Um, And it's more of a reflection from my perspective of athletes not being educated on the importance of being mobile because any athlete knows, Oh, well we grew up in a world where, yeah, we had to stretch before we went for a run and it's very different now. And everything is pivoted into this whole, like, you know, um, pregame is a lot different these days than it was in 1994. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's been a much, much bigger shift in performance in how an athlete, uh, preps for their workouts these days, as opposed to 20 years ago. And so I think that while that's a great thing, it still is lacking in some athletes workouts or in their warmups as a result of lack of education, um, or based on, you know, where their coaches backgrounds are coming from. Yeah. And, and when it comes to mobility, is that different? I think it is. Is it different than dynamic stretching? I, I sprained my, the backstory, I sprained my ankle this fall, which sucked. And I had to go to PT. I learned so much from my physical therapist about stretching and strength training and all of this stuff. And she was talking to me a lot about dynamic stretching and she was kind of on the same page as you, like stretching is not, you know, as it's not that it's not important, but it's not the end all be all that people make it out to be. Yeah. So 
dynamic stretching is basically you're kind of bridging the two. You're kind of bridging mobility with stretching, depending on what you're doing. But dynamic flexibility is more or less prepping your body for movement. So if I'm going to stretch my hamstrings, I'm going to walk and stretch. So I'm only going to hold that stretch for maybe two or three seconds. Whereas after my workout, I might hold that stretch for 30 seconds or longer. So prior to a workout, uh, you got to prep your body. So the science behind it, how do I make this make sense? If I'm going to go out for a run, we know that my muscles are going to be firing constantly every, you know, down to the millisecond, microsecond, whatever you want to call it. So if I'm going to prep for my quads, being able to endure that constant flexing of the muscle, if I prep by just standing and holding a stretch for a minute, that muscle is going to be like, well, you're not really flexing the muscle. You're not really extending and flexing the muscle. You're just holding the muscle in this stretched position. So therefore I'm not going to perform as well because you kind of put me, you bored me to death. So you kind of put me to sleep, just holding the stretch. Whereas you should have been prepping me for movement because that's my role when I'm actually going out for a run. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So I, also, I guess lo- mobility in a sense is almost like lubing up the joints and things like that, yeah. kind of like making it so that they feel happier when they're moving. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, everything. Yeah, that's an excellent way of putting it. Everything, you know, your joints have the synovial fluid within it, right? So if you're not getting that fluid to move around in the joint space, then it can harden. Like that's why we feel stiff in the morning is typically our the fluid within the joint hardens as we're not moving. So yeah, the joints and the muscles need to be treated um, appropriately prior to any kind of training that you're going to be doing, whether it's going out for a run or riding or lifting weights, doesn't matter what that activity is. Proper warmups are essential. And most of my athletes, if, if I'm doing a really hardcore workout with them, the workout itself might be a third of what time we've spent prepping for that work. Interesting. Yeah. And I think also there's so there's so many misconceptions about all of this. I, I know in general in strength training among endurance athletes is also another thing that people neglect. I did it myself. And I think mm-hmm. when people do strength train, they're like, okay, well I run. So I'm going to strength train my, my legs and not worry about the rest of my body or something like that. And, but it, it really totally. is important regardless of what you're doing, right? Like strength training is almost like the backbone. I feel like of anything. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, uh, this is a big reason why actually part of me was inspired to start a gym was because we were me and my old business partner, we were doing so much endurance racing ourselves. And we started when we started on your mark, we had a lot of endurance athletes coming into our doors and they would jump on a treadmill or they'd take cycling classes and this and that. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. When was the last time you picked up a weight? When was the last time you did a sidestep? And they, you know, the answer would be never or mm-hmm. <laughs> very, 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 very rare. And it's like, what is going on here? So we were always kind of strength pushers when it came to a lot of the endurance athletes that we train and still training or whatever, because it's the first thing to go out any endurance athletes window is strength. But there is so much. I mean, I could go on forever about this topic, but there is so much research out there on the benefits of why 
endurance athletes, any athlete, but definitely these endurance athletes that we're familiar working with should be doing strength. And the number one reason being injury prevention, you know, take a female athlete who is, you know, mid twenties to mid thirties. When that female athlete is going for run after run after run, they are just beating the shit out of their body, especially from a hormonal standpoint, when they get to a certain age, you know, the female athlete can lose like, Oh, whatever it is, like 2% of her bone density after the age of 32. So with or without running. Uh, So there's so much to be said about how strength training can help minimize that bone density loss. So if a, a female athlete in her 30s is going out for a run every single day, the amount of impact and not supplementing it with either proper nutrition, as you know, or strength training or ideally both, then she can still end up in a very, very, very bad place if she's not doing the proper things to help supplement her running, which strength and nutrition. Um, and I've, I've been seeing it for years. Stress fractures amongst the female runner is that the numbers are crazy high. Now I do think in the last, you know, 10 years, it's gotten better because the performance industry itself has gotten smarter and they've seen how the effects of proper strength training, proper warm up, proper, you know, executing a workout that's not just about drilling an athlete for an hour, but there's actually science and data behind why we do what we do has helped educate runners on the importance of strength. Um, but yeah, for a very long time and still to this day, you see a lot of athletes um, or have seen a lot of athletes not taking strength training serious enough. And not only that, like if you want to be a good runner, you want to be fast. So how am I going to get faster? I don't necessarily want to put more miles on my legs. That's a terrible idea. I want to focus more on my strength and my power and my speed and my agility and my reaction time. Like there's so many different phases of training that should be taken into consideration. I like that you brought up two things. Well, one, I I know probably three people off the top of my head who have had stress fractures in the past year. So it's, it's so common. And then two, the female athlete, I think females are scared of strength because they don't want to bulk up. And I'm sure you hear this all the time. So what do you say when people say that to you? (laughs) Well, I, I, I tell them for the amount of miles that you still put on your legs as a, if you're an endurance athlete, if you're still out there crushing miles on pavement or riding your Peloton at home and you're still doing all this cardio, two or three days of strength training in the gym are not going to put a bulk on you. It is physiologically impossible. And most female athletes, you have to be lifting an astronomical amount of, of resistance multiple times a week to actually get bulky, if you will. I hate that word. Now, mm-hmm. I think sometimes a female athlete starts to get leaner and they start to get stronger and they immediately panic. But if there's any female athlete out there right now that's listening to this and you're experiencing that, trust me, when you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 80s, your body is going to thank you for getting stronger and leaner. It's it's going to be more of a uh, benefit then than maybe you really understand now, um, especially if you want to continue to run well into your, <laughs> you know, adult senior years, if you will. And I, I truly believe that. And, but 
But from a physiological standpoint of actually like getting super bulky, it's really challenging for most athletes to accomplish that, especially the endurance athlete. A little bit of muscle looks good. It doesn't look bulky. So don't be afraid to pick up some weights because it's only going to help you run longer or do whatever activity you enjoy. I don't care if it's tennis, golf, running, cycling, swimming. It's only going to help you be able to withstand that activity for years on end. I I also think it's confusing in terms of like knowing how much. So uh, if someone doesn't work with a personal trainer, maybe they can't afford to whatever, they don't really know how much to lift. There's so many different things out there now. Like I know there's, I've never actually done CrossFit, but I know CrossFit is really into having people lift really heavy. And then there's other types of workouts like bar where people aren't really lifting at all. And they're doing small movements. So it's super confusing. Is there, do you kind of, I know you, since you guys work one-on-one, you probably individualize the workouts, but is there a general recommendation you have when it comes to strength training in terms of how heavy or not heavy to go? Yeah, I think uh, this is a really really great question, especially right now with having gone through COVID. And the one thing I saw in the industry in this last year that actually started to make me panic a little bit was the amount of content that trainers were producing on their Instagram channels and social media, which was great, but also made me nervous because you take the the regular athlete who's not necessarily Serena Williams, okay, but somebody who's more just general fitness and just wanting to stay fit Or maybe, you know, there's some people out there who did a little bit of running, but decided like, okay, now's the time to go out and run a marathon. Or now's the time to take all these different Instagram channels that I started following during COVID and taking all of these workouts that I just found and combining it into my own workout. And I'm going to do that five days a week. I'm going to do that for the next two weeks. And then I'll reevaluate. There was almost, (laughs) it was almost too much. I mean, we were starting to see like, injury coming out of that. You know, you have people who have never ran a day in their life and they decide like, I'm going to put on some running shoes and just start running six miles a day. Like that was very, very scary as a trainer and as a professional in this industry, because there was no direction. So I think my advice for people out there who you don't know where to start is you need to stick with one thing. If you, if you follow one trainer on social media and you really like the content that they're putting out, then direct message that trainer, have a conversation. We're all very friendly people. We're all in this industry because we want to serve others and make people better versions of themselves. So if you like what you see on social media, then direct message that trainer and maybe that person will, most likely they will answer your questions. You have to have some sort of guidance, but you don't need guidance from multiple different sources because that can be really detrimental to, um, to, to your physiology, if you will. Um, there has to be structure. So for me to sit here and say, okay, if you're going to start doing dumbbell bench press, I would start with 25 pound dumbbells. I would never say that because it's 25 pound dumbbells to me is different than 25, 25 pound dumbbells to person a or person Z, you know, everyone's body moves differently. Everyone's strengths and weaknesses are different. So it's really hard for me to say, yeah, just start here. Now, what I could say is start on the conservative side. If you're like, yeah, I want to start doing, again, I'll use dumbbell bench press as an example. You know, start small. If you start out with a light weight and you get to 10 reps without a problem and you know what you're doing and you're feeling it in the right places, then try to take it up to the next weight on the next set. 
And then if, you know, you just kind of guide yourself appropriately, but I'm always more of a less is more start on the conservative side and go up from there. Yeah, that sounds simpler. Yeah, that sounds simpler than a lot of people make it out to be, to be honest, which is kind of like what I always learned when it came to strength training, like three sets of 10 type of thing. And and then there's just so much information out there. It gets to be confusing. So I totally understand why people are almost getting injured from following things on the internet. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, sometimes it's okay to think on the less is more kind of side. You know, I mean, I know like, life is dynamic you got to train for it but at the same time you know you got to be careful what you read you got to be careful what you see you know there's there's equipment pieces of equipment out there that you know they want you on that piece of equipment five days a week i don't know that that's the smartest thing to do a couple times a week sure but you have to have one enough time to recover you have to be doing different types of training um in order to you know whether it's strength and running or swimming, the more variety that you have from an element standpoint, most likely the less likely you're going to get injured. Um, But you also, when it comes to doing things that you're not educated on how to do it, you have to reach out. You have to have a starting point Um, because the the last thing you want to do is go to the gym on day one and try to squat with a 70 pound kettlebell because it looks like the next guy did it with ease and thinking that you can do it with ease is not the smartest attempt. If you want to get the latest cutting edge information in the field of sports medicine, check out my new show, the sports physical therapy podcast. I'm Mike Reynolds. Each week I feature a new interview with some of the leading and emerging experts in our field so they can share their recent research, clinical experience, and best career advice. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I like that you brought up recovery too, because I had a question about it, because I know you put emphasis on recovery. What does recovery mean to you? Does that mean taking a day off? Does that mean a certain type of recovery workout? Is it different for everyone? Um, it's it, it can be different from everyone. Um, but I, I definitely tell my athletes, you have to have 24 hours of nothing to do. I don't care if you sit on the couch for a day, but I have a tendency to have athletes who they want to go, 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 go. So me telling them to sit down is very hard for them, but because I know that they're still going to like go on about their day to day. Right. But you have to have 24 hours, complete rest, your body. It takes multiple hours for your body to recover from a, definitely from a high intensity workout, any type of workout. But if you keep doing that day after day, after day, after day, the hours that you need for recovery get longer and longer and longer as well. So if I do three high intensity classes in a row, and I technically need anywhere between 36 to 48 hours of recovery time between those workouts, but I just did three in a row. Well, then I might as well sit out for the rest of the week because my body is not going to be prepped for the next workout that I have to do because I didn't take time to allow my body to repair itself. And I think a lot of times too, in terms of soreness, people think that they have to be like crazy sore from their workouts, which is a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Soreness, soreness does not equate to performance. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it, it really can. And if you continuously work out day after day, because you're sore, 
and you're continuing to pound on your legs or not, and you're, but you're not taking time off, then again, within six weeks time, you will have an injury and it could be anything you could, you could tear a muscle or you could be that person that ends up with a stress fracture because you just ran four days in a row. It's completely unnecessary. The other piece of that is sleep. Sleep is huge. If you're not shutting off that damn phone at night, you're laying there in bed, staring at that blue light, whatever it is, and you're not shutting your mind off. Well, that too is going to add up. I'm a huge fan of sleep. Um, but your sleep needs to be consistent. Um, and then on top of that, yeah, nutrition, that's huge. That's your department, but you know how important it is to make sure that you're fueling with the right things and that you're timing your nutrition properly between your workouts and your, you know, you're taking the right vitamins and all that good stuff that are appropriate for you and your recovery. Um, so recovery is just as much, just as important as the actual work. Yeah. Talking about nutrition, recovery, nutrition, I always talk about how it's not just an hour after your workout, it's a full 24 hours after the workout that your body can still absorb these nutrients and things. And it's kind of seems like it's the same from fitness. You need 24 hours rest. And, uh, I like that you brought up muscle soreness and that's actually not a good thing. Why does muscle soreness happen? Mm. Well, your muscle, when you're, when you're working out, whether you're lifting or running or they, it creates micro tears. And those micro tears are what create the soreness. And then you can hear the, all the lactic acid and all that, you know, you've heard that term before, but you create these micro tears, which is how your muscle um, grows back and it grows back more fibers. Now that's a really, I'm trying to make this sound appropriate for the audience, but that's basically what's going on in your system. Um, and then from there, your muscle, after going through that type of strain, needs time to rebuild. So that rebuilding process is where you experience that soreness. Does that mean that you went too hard though? Or is it like, is that normal? Or is it you, you really went too hard and you got to scale it back? Uh, soreness is totally normal. What's not normal is total is, is soreness where you're sore multiple days on end. Or you go take a spin class and you walk out of that spin class and you get like super sick and end up in the hospital. I mean, that, that I can't even remember what that's called off the top of my head, but those, those are situations where you are unnecessarily going too hard. Your body has certain limitations to what it should be doing. And if you go beyond what those limitations are to a degree that you're constantly sore and you're not repairing and then that's that becomes an issue it's like doing you know three high intensity workouts in a row it's just dumb yeah that, that, no that makes a lot of sense um i have a question for you about nutrition and let me preface this by saying that <laughs> i get a you lot have of a question for me <laughs> that's very well, intimidating a- coming from a nutritionist <laughs> No, no, no. I want to know how you handle nutrition questions because I get, I get, I I mean, and I know like you and I have had conversations about it. You're a, you're a no BS trainer and you've asked me questions. So I know that you're not really putting misinformation out there, but let me tell you a little backstory here. I get so many clients who come to me and say that trainers told them you got to count your macros or you're not eating enough protein. And it's just kind of like, 
mind boggling to me sometimes that I have to fight against this in a way. And um, so I kind of wonder on your side of things, what do you do when clients ask you about nutrition? I would refer them out. I don't talk about nutrition because I don't have a degree in the field and it is not my place to talk about it. I don't, I'm not going to go out and get some basic certification in nutrition or nutrition performance and claim that I know what I'm talking about because that is a different type of physiology and it's not in my wheelhouse. I'm not going to pretend that it is. So if I have a client that I can't help from a very, 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 very basic uh, nutrition element, then nope, I'm referring them to you or I'm referring them to somebody else that I trust and who has put in numerous amounts of hours and education into being an actual registered dietitian and nutritionist. I won't go there. Good answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I mean, my job, I'm a trainer. My job is to get you to where you want to be when it comes to your performance goals. Anything else for me when it comes to nutrition, it's, it's just, it would be a disservice of me to claim that oh, I think you should count your macros because this is the reason why. No, it's not anything I'm interested in doing. Yeah, and a lot of times it's anecdotal, right? It's like it, it worked for this trainer, it worked for this client or whatever, and that's why I recommend it. But that's not necessarily what nutrition is. Nutrition is like fitness. It's different for everyone. It's individualized. Correct, absolutely. I, I can write a marathon training program for athlete A, and I can write a marathon training program for athlete B, but those athletes are two completely different people. They have two completely different physiologies and starting positions. And I mean, it's just people are unique, which is the fun part of our job. When it comes to what I do, I love having the education to be able to create different experiences for different people based on science. But that science, from my standpoint, I did not specialize in nutrition, and I'm not going to pretend that I did. And I am not even going to mess with what people are putting in their mouths. Nope. <laughs> yeah, no, in the same regard, people come to me to be a run coach. And I'm like, I'm not a run coach. I've run marathons, but that doesn't mean I can help you run a marathon. So it's the same. You go to <laughs> go to someone who has a specialization in that. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> well, this was a wealth of information. I appreciate you coming on. And I know that people are going to want to follow you and find out more about you and maybe come to your studios if they're in Chicago. So where can they find more from you? Um, I mean, there's always the little social media thing, right? If you have questions out there, like I was saying, I'm more than happy to answer them. You can send me a message. Um, my Instagram is m.hutchins. That's em.hutchins. Um, or yeah, you can Look me up at On Your Mark here in Chicago. We have two locations, one in the West Loop, one on the West Side. And um, yeah, you know, we have a lot of fun. We want everyone to be better and especially coming out of this COVID crisis. If you have concerns and questions when it comes to performance training, I can help you. If it comes to nutrition, you know who I'm going to send you to. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, races and everything are starting back up again. So this is really the yeah. time to like get on top of fitness. You can get into a gym and do it. Yeah. It's a very exciting time. Awesome. Well, thanks again. You bet. You bet. It was great talking to you.
Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. And if you want to learn more from me, follow me on social media at Greenleats or visit my website at greenleats.com.